Happy Easter. I'm glad that you're all here today. Uh, we, have, we had caffeine beforehand, so I expect you all to be vocal this morning. Uh, that's my trick on Easter. I appreciate you guys for being here. I appreciate our AV team trying to make sure that we're all, we're all set as well. I appreciate you guys as we get set here. But I do want to say that we are going to continue... We are going to continue in our Abide series this morning, and it is, to me, the most uh, kind of tying into Easter. It's one of those things where we've we've been talking about abiding in Jesus, talking about how we can do better in abiding in in Him daily. And today, when we celebrate Easter, is kind of the culmination of all that saying, this is why you ought to abide in happen, And that's truth, right? Right? Okay, thank you. I said we had caffeine. I need to hear from you this morning. So we are going to talk about the resurrection today. I promise we're going to talk about that a lot. But we are going to stay in this Abide series. And today we're talking about authentic joy. And I just want to read this again. We can't read this enough. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And I want to just kind of get everybody on the same page. We have some people, some visitors today. I'm so thankful you're here with us. During this whole Abide series, we've kind of had this definition for how we're going to define this word abide. We're going to read this out loud together. One, two, three. Continually trusting Jesus to be everything that you need. And this is something that's a process, right? We've learned week in and week out that just saying I abide in Jesus isn't good enough. It's a practice that you have to get into, this idea of how does it look in my life to abide in Jesus. And so this morning is a little bit different. We don't even have the word abide in our text this morning. But there's another word that I think goes perfectly with this definition that I want to spend a little time on this morning. Joyfully trusting Jesus to be everything you need. Let's read that together. Joyfully trusting Jesus to be everything you need. And I think that little difference is very significant. Very significant. We're going to talk a lot about this idea of joy this morning, but I want you to think about how that's different to you in your life as well. Joyfully trusting Jesus to be everything that we need. Why does joy make things different? Why does joy make things different? I want to have two examples here for you, okay? And maybe you can relate to the story, maybe you can't. There's a man who goes into the grocery store to buy something he needs. Milk or eggs or whatever it might be. And along the way, he passes by the pharmacy area where there's all the flowers and stuff. And he says, you know what? My wife really likes this type of flower. It's not Mother's Day. It's not Easter. It's not nothing. It's just flower day for my wife now. Because I know she'll love these flowers. I'm going to buy them. I'm going to bring them to her. The man goes home with the things he needs and also the flowers. And he gives them to his wife and says, I love you. You're great. Here's some flowers. She says, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's a good guy. Now there's another man who he goes to the grocery store to buy some eggs and some, and some milk. And then he sees these flowers and says, guess what? I got a fishing trip I want to do this weekend. Maybe if I buy these flowers, this fishing trip idea won't be so bad. So he gets the eggs and the, and, the, and the milk, and he gets the flowers. He says, here's honey, here's some flowers. Do you like them? Do you like them enough to let me go do what I want to do? Right? It's a silly, and, and I, you, you see the difference there. And it's really a cliche example. I almost didn't want to tell it because you're like, Jimmy, that's just like a preacher thing to say all the time. But the reason why I wanted to spell it out that way is because I think that you see the big difference between the two people, right? 
One person is giving out of this joyful spirit. I love you. These flowers reminded me of me, uh, me of you because you're beautiful. And the other guy is saying, these flowers reminded me because I need to go do something this weekend that you might not want me to do, right? The why is extremely important. Why are you buying these things, right? Is it because you joyfully love me and you, you have this joy in your heart when you think of me and you say, I want to give you nice things? Or is it the selfishness that says, I want to do this so that I can go and do this? And we're all shaking our head at the second guy. Man, he's a loser. But the thing is, is that we do this a lot more than we want to probably admit in our lives. And it's not as simple and cliche as the man buying flowers, but this happens everywhere in our lives. Right? We sometimes act out of our selfishness rather than our joyfulness. Right? I want to be joyful in spirit and do things out of a right heart and say, I want to do this, or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to just be flowers. It can be something like volunteering at the food pantry, volunteering for concessions that we're going to be doing some more later on. Okay, Just keep that in mind. But I'm just saying, doing things out of the goodness and joyfulness of your heart is very different than doing it out of selfishness of your heart or a selfish ambition of the heart. The why is extremely important to the things that we do. Sometimes the outcome might look very similar, but the why is very important. And this is very, very important for Christians because we often forget the why behind even things like Easter. We forget the why beyond the gift of love from Jesus. Okay, because if you're like me... You've grown up in the church and you've heard these songs, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's perfect. I love that song. It's a great song. Straight to the point. But then you're thinking, if you're like me, you get a little bit critical and you say, well, seems like Jesus has to love me. He doesn't have an option. You know, the Bible says so, I guess he has to do it, you know? Jesus has to love me. There's no reason to love me other than the fact that he kind of begrudgingly is obligated to love a guy like me. And maybe you're different from me. Maybe your entire life you've seen and understood the joy that Jesus has when he looks at you. But my guess is a lot of us in here think that Jesus has to love us and doesn't get to love us. And doesn't ambitiously go after us day after day with that joyful love and spirit saying, I love you so much. Some of us don't know that joyful love from Jesus. And I want to be honest that I'm still working through that. Because it's really, really different when you look at this authentic joy that Jesus is talking about right here. These words are so, so important. I have told you this. This is in in John 15 once again. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus is saying, all these things remain in me because this joy that I'm experiencing, I want you to experience that as well. It's like finding that hidden restaurant with the best food in town. Come experience this with me. But Jesus is saying, my joy is so absolute and authentic, I need you to have some of this so that your joy may be complete. And then he goes on to say, my command is this, to love each other as I have loved you. Not only am I joyfully pursuing you, but I have this agape love that you do not understand. And I want you to experience that. Joyful love has the ability to change lives. Joyful love has the ability to change lives. So I want to shift gears a little bit here. I want to make it more personal. 
I want you to think of a time you yourself experienced authentic joy. I'm not just talking about that simple, oh, you know, I found a parking space at Walmart. Maybe that's authentic joy for you. I don't know. I'm not trying to steal your joy. But I want you to think of a real, authentic, joyful moment you've experienced in your life. As I thought through this, I, I wanted to steer away from this. And I had a conversation in the office about this, and Teresa told me just, just to talk about it. Uh, so I listened to her. Uh, but for me, um, this is an old picture of me and Michelle. This is uh, probably 17-year-old Jimmy. I know I look exactly the same. Nothing's changed. I wish I had my hair. I had good hair then. Um, but Michelle, that's Michelle there. Um, but this is not an exact picture, but it's kind of around the same time. Uh, the experience that I had uh, with this joy was that Michelle is a year older than me. So when I was in high school, I was dating a college girl, which is pretty cool. Um, but she went to school in Arkansas, and I still lived in Florida. And it was kind of, you know gross how like I was like so sad all the time I was I just wanted to be around her and but I had these countdowns all the time when is she going to be back for Thanksgiving when is she going to be back for Christmas and all these countdowns and all this anticipation I can't wait to see her and I just remember I would go to they're actually here my in-laws are actually here today I would go to their house and I would wait for Michelle to come home in her Mitsubishi Galant and when I saw that car coming I was just filled with butterflies you know, and it's not like we were going to do anything crazy. We were just going to hang out and just see each other, be in each other's presence, eat some food together, go to our favorite spots, the beach and stuff like that. And I just remember every time she would come home, I'd have this overwhelming joy that finally she's back. You know, and I still, you know, get those overwhelming feelings of joy if we're apart for a little bit, like if I'm at camp or she's gone away. And it's just joy to be around each other. I know that's kind of too maybe lovey-dovey for Easter. Um, but it's one of those things where you have these moments of joy and then your, your body kind of just does weird things. Like, have you ever had tears of joy before? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe some tears of joy. I know maybe she was crying. I wasn't crying. No, I definitely cried. Um, uh, you know, tears of joy. Maybe you'd have these moments where you're just laughing and your body can't stop laughing. You're just giggling all of a sudden. Your face is turning red. You're, like I said, your stomach is full of butterflies. Our bodies respond so weirdly to this expression of joy. You know, scientists talk about the dopamine and serotonin being released in your brain. I'm not smart enough to talk to you about that this morning. But it seems like our bodies are just freaking out. Like alarms are going off and our bodies are saying something really good is happening to you. Tears are coming out. Laughter's coming out. It's this joy and it's so, so weird. But joy is so important. Doctors talk about how humans need to experience joy. They need those levels of dopamine and serotonin to be released so that you can have good health, good benefits. Other than that, you can have good mental health as well if those things are happening to you more in your life. But what's so, so interesting as I did more reading is that scientists said that you need this so much that you can even trick your body into releasing those things by fake smiling. Everybody fake smile this morning, yeah. Um, you can even trick your body into feeling joy by fake smiling. I was like, wow, our bodies are so, so weird. It's so important for us to have this, that our body has this way of tricking itself into thinking, oh, you're experiencing something good. Some joy is headed your way. But that made me think a little bit. 
I think sometimes as Christians, we hear the things about Jesus and we hear about this joy in, in, in John 15, but unfortunately we see Jesus giving us that fake smile of joy rather than that tears of joy, uncontrollable giggling, uncontrollable whatever it is, that expression of joy, we're experiencing the fake smile from Jesus and not the authentic, unadulterated joy that Jesus wants to have in our lives. We're accepting the fake smile rather than the full force of the joy that he wants us to experience. We look at Jesus, especially uh, for, for some of us, we look at him very distant and we say, thank you for this idea of joy, but I don't experience it in my life. You're experiencing this fake smile from Jesus, but Jesus seems from the very beginning of time, God has been saying, let me love you some more. But we keep saying, no, thank you, I'm good. God is saying, let me come closer to you. Let me even send my son to be with you, flesh and blood. And we say, thank you, but we're good. We want to and we need to experience this joy, but it's very difficult for us sometimes. And what I'm saying is that the resurrection should dismantle any idea of a fake smile of Jesus that we have in our minds. The resurrection should be the one thing we look to and say, oh yeah, I remember now. He does love us, and he does have this joyful, unadulterated, authentic love towards us. The resurrection should be the period, at the, actually an exclamation at the, end of that, at the end of that sentence. But I find it interesting. Um, a little bit of Greek this morning, okay? The top word, depending on who your Greek teacher was, kara. Say it with me, kara. The bottom word, charis, charis. Kara, the top one, means joy and encouragement. That's the joy we're talking about all morning. But what I found so interesting is that the root word also has a little bit of a flavor of grace to it as well. And I don't think that's an accident. I think there's a reason why these two things are connected. Because when we look at the cross and we look at the resurrection, we see that as the ultimate expression of grace, but we cannot have that ultimate expression without this ultimate joy baked into it. We cannot have the resurrection without joy. These roots look and they have the same feeling on purpose. Grace needs joy. And honestly, joy needs grace. The beauty of the cross is that Jesus didn't stay there, right? The beauty is that this gift, and also, extra tidbit, the word gift also has the same root, kara, to it. This gift of grace and joy and encouragement, all these things are wrapped up together. The beauty of the resurrection and the beauty of the cross is that he did not stay there. And that gift continues to be given. That joyful gift continues to be given. And when we move away from the cross to Easter, you can't escape the joy of Jesus. And what I love about this is that Jesus not only did not stay on the cross, but he didn't just leave us forever, right? We read in our New Testament, in our gospel, that Jesus couldn't help but hang out with his friends a little bit more, right? Jesus comes back. This is some of my favorite parts of Jesus, right? He he comes back to earth, and we're going to read a little bit here in Luke 24. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and and while they still did not believe it, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and took it and ate it in their presence. Before this takes place, Jesus is interacting with people and they don't recognize him. The way I see it is Jesus is going around, he's pranking his best friends, right? He's going around, he's walking along the road, he's having these teachings, and then he disappears. And then they're like, wait a second, that was Jesus. 
He does it time and time again. Jesus can't help but go to his friends and have these conversations. And Jesus can't help but go to his friends here and say, hey, I'm here. Let's eat some food. Let's share this time together. And I want to bring all this up because I believe sometimes we look at these moments of Jesus and we see this stoic figure walking along. This transcendent figure almost floating around and he has no time for laughter or friendship or we just have this in our mind that he's so distant but Jesus comes back to hang out with his friends some more and not only just hang out with his friends but he's having these conversations and I can't help but think this is a call back to all the times his disciples said what are we going to eat Jesus I can't help but see that and Jesus says do you have anything to eat it's, a, it's not a test, I promise. And they eat together and they share this experience together. I can't help but read joy, joy, joy into this moment. And I hope that you're seeing that too because I really want you to see the person of Jesus relating to his friends. I don't want to step on our, our verses for next time we, we uh, get together. But Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 15, or excuse me, verse 14. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you my close acquaintances from work. No. He says, instead, I have called you friends. We can't separate the friendship we have with Jesus from this joy, the cross, the resurrection, all of it comes together. And he says, I love you deeply. And not only because I just have to love you, it's because I joyfully want to give this love to you in a real and profound way. I love you deeper than you could ever know or experience. I want to read this a little bit. I underlined a few sections here. I just want you to kind of have these in your mind. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Not that my doctrine may be in you or that my things that you've got, you do and do not may be in you, but my joy may be in you. I'm not trying to sell short those things, guys. But this is what Jesus is saying to his closest friends, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another. As I have loved you. It seems significant that Jesus is pointing this out to them. But we miss it so much. So my question that I want to kind of end on this morning. Excuse me. How can we recognize Jesus' joyful loves in our lives? And I want you guys to walk away this morning with this word in your mind. Okay? Joy. J-O-Y down in my heart. I'll get some VBS songs to remind you. Okay? How can we recognize Jesus' joyful love in our lives? The first, I think, is super important, not just because it's Easter, but to understand the entire context of the resurrection. The entire context for the resurrection. We have plenty of songs, right? It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for us. It wasn't because it was an obligation, like, oh, I gotta go down there and and take care of these annoying people. The entire context. Yes, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He talks to the Father and says, if there's any other way, please let it be so. But then he says, your will be done. And he goes and he does it. And he does all these things, not just in one moment and one time, but forever. The context is still contexting. 
right? It's still happening today. We are still part of the context of the resurrection. This joyful love we're talking about still continues to us today, and that's why we celebrate today. That's why we celebrate. The entire context is baked in love. And the second thing is to realize his love is not an obligation the way we see it. Because okay, so, for you and me, you say, I, I, I got this cousin, he's kind of strange. I love him because he's my cousin. And I think, unfortunately, that's that fake smile love that we were talking about earlier. We, we manufacture this feeling of love towards someone we don't really care for. But Jesus isn't manufacturing any of that. And I know we talked last week about this. And it's hard for us to realize that we are loved sometimes when we've been burned by someone we love in our lives, right? But I want to continue saying this, and I don't care if I'm repetitive because the Bible is really repetitive about this. God deeply loves you, and he wants you to know how deep that is. And the obligation is not like, I have to, but it's like, no, I have to because that's my default setting. (laughs) I am love. God says, I am love. There's no other way for him to interact with us because that's his existence. Realize that that obligation isn't out of just, ah, I have to, but it's I have to love you. It goes so, so deep. And we can go deeper into this. We can have a whole Bible study about how these words are used. Also, when we talk about the prodigal son and the prodigal father and all these relationships, so we can go on and on and on. But I just want you to realize this morning that joyful love is open to you today. That joyful love is open to you forever. We've talked about faith and forgiveness and love and all these things. I want you to realize it's open to you even today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for um, Easter. I I really thank you for the resurrection, God. It sounds so silly to even say it that way because of just how transformational that act is, God, that you did not stay on the cross, that you ascended and exactly what you said was going to happen happened i'm so thankful for that truth and god paul talks about our faith hinging on that very thing that resurrection is it god i'm so thankful that you didn't stay here i'm so thankful that you came here you didn't stay here and now forever the context of the cross and the context of the resurrection is still happening even today as you redeem your creation thank you for that truth God, help us to recognize that in our lives. Help us to see that joyful love poured out into us. Not this obligation like you have to, but God, you have to because that's who you are. Thank you for being that in our lives. So Jesus, let me pray. Amen. If you're here this morning because it's Easter, I'm so, so thankful you're here. But I want to encourage you that if, if there's something on your heart this morning that you're saying, you know what? I haven't been here in a long time and I just feel called this morning to respond to the Spirit. I, I ask you to be, you know, respond to it. Talk to somebody today about what you're feeling because I guarantee the Spirit's working in you if you're feeling that certain way. If you have any needs at all, won't you come while we stand and sing?